the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you. And welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you are created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we are in a series all about the abundant life. And when we focus on our financial problems, we often make them worse. But what if the solution to our greatest financial worries comes not from fixing our problems, but from being set free from the fixation? Today is part two of the message called Radical Freedom. Pastor Sean is teaching from the book of Matthew. It's time for Radio for Real Life. The Bible has all kinds of passages that are pro-savings. And I think there's some reasons. We need to understand the purpose of savings. To understand this passage, you've got to understand the purpose of savings. There's several purposes. The first is the discipline of living on less than you make. Do you realize that's one of the great advantages and blessings of saving? The discipline of living on less than you actually make. It's huge because we weren't trained that way. Some of you may be, God bless you. That's awesome. When we got married, my wife had been trained that way, and I am so grateful for that. I had not really. It's not that it was never said, not that they never did say. It was just, we never taught that way. And so in a culture that said, well, if you can't afford it, it's okay, get a credit card. I did. And I quickly realized, oh, yeah, that's not good. Because just because I have a credit card doesn't mean I have any more money. It's totally a deception. The discipline of living on less than you make. You know, one of the most harmful things is that we grow up thinking every dime we make is ours to consume. And we're going to talk about stewardship. We're going to understand how that is a poor discipleship perspective and that there is something. It is, just because we make it doesn't mean morally we are, we are either entitled to or obligated to spend it. Savings is an automatic discipline. It teaches you how to live on less than you actually make, which is huge. It's the beginning of the actual practices of moving towards financial freedom. A second purpose for saving, prepare for the future and the unexpected. We're supposed to prepare for the future. We're supposed to put aside for when we won't be as young as we are and won't be able to work in the same way or for if something happens and we have to be prepared. We, the, the Bible teaches for us to be prepared for that. That's a good thing. It's a right thing. And the unexpected, and this is one of those things where it kind of is almost like a ridiculous concept because the unexpected is one of those things that's absolutely expected, right? The unexpected financially, the unexpected should just be, it's a principle. It's not unexpected at all. It's totally expected. And if you want to test me on this, just see. You get $100. See if something that comes up that requires $100. And you all know, everybody's like, oh yeah, been there. Something's going to break. There's going to be some need. Something's going to fall short. Something's not going to come in. The unexpected. And so saving for the unexpected is a good, right, and biblical thing. It's exactly what we're supposed to do. A third purpose of savings is to prepare to be generous and purposeful. To prepare to be generous and purposeful. When we become people who save, all of a sudden I have a fund, you know, I like to call it an obedience fund. If God starts nudging on my heart, hey, there's a need. You could do something. There's someone in my community group who has a need. And, and we, we actually have the means to do something with that. 
I can afford to do that. Whereas before, when there was no savings, I had to go, oh man, I wish I could be generous. I can't. Boy, if I had the money he has, I, I could. Or if I had the money she's got, boy, then, then, then I could be generous. No, we've all got resources. And when we learned this principle of saving and living on less than we make, we become people who can be generous. That doesn't mean you're a millionaire who can write huge checks and you're not, God doesn't expect that. But all of a sudden you find someone in your community group who's got a need, someone in your neighborhood, there's something, something going on at church and you go, wow, somebody should do something about that. Wait a minute, I can. I can do something about that. I've got some resources. And now there's a little freedom. And purpose, I get to do things that matter. Something in our hearts wants to be generous. Something in our hearts wants to, do, to have purpose with our finances. And when I save a little bit, I can actually do that. So I've got to understand the purpose of savings. But I also, what this passage is telling us, I've got to understand the limitations of savings. Okay? Understand, when I save money, okay, it's material, it's temporal, and you can't take it with you. Say that with me. It's material, it's temporal, and you can't take it with you. you need, we, we need to just right now get that. And all of us know, oh yeah, of course I know that. Of course I know that. That's not how we live. And sadly, it's often not how we save. It's material, it's temporal, and you can't take it with you. So someone's looking at me like, oh, but I can try. I've got a beautiful, I've got a U-Haul I painted black, and it matches the hearse. It's going to be great. God's told me I could just put a little bit in the casket, and just a little something, little something for the trip. I mean, it's ridiculous. But yet, the way we act and live, it's just money. It can be gone tomorrow, folks. An economic downturn, something with the government, economies, things, just... Throughout history, it's happened thousands and thousands of times. It's just money. And in our day and age, we understand something. It's like, there's not even any money. It's data. It can be gone. It can be gone tomorrow. And it will be gone someday. Okay? It will be gone someday. This is empirically true. We all know this, right? We're going to leave this earth. The property that we have our houses on right now, somebody else had it before, somebody else will have it later. The actual house itself, yeah, somebody else can have it. The resources, money, all this stuff, yeah. It's just the way it is. Now what Jesus is saying about saving is he's saying, it's okay to save, it's good to save. Just understand what you're doing. Understand the ground rules. Understand what you're dealing with. And he makes this powerful, profound statement. Don't lay it up here, lay it up in heaven. In other words, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. You can send it ahead. You can by investing in eternal things right now. Saving and begin to invest in eternal things. The things of God. Those are eternal. People. That's eternal. It's the only things that are eternal in life. Everything else is going to fade. But God, his kingdom, what he's doing, and his work in and through people, and ministering to and caring for people, those, that's eternal. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Powerful stuff. In other words, save but hang on to things loosely. Don't create an idol. Don't let those things, don't let your savings account, don't let your retirement account, any of it, don't let it become an idol because it's just material, temporal, and you can't take it with you. It affects, if, you can, if we can learn to view resources and view money this way, there's such a freedom. Rethink how you save is where Jesus starts the whole process. Second point, redirect what you see. Redirect what you see. He, this incredible contrast about your eye. The eye is the lamp of the soul. If your eye is healthy, then everything's light. But if it's unhealthy, everything's darkness. He's talking about vision. What's your vision for your life? 
It's your vision. And, he's, and he, the, it's interesting that he does this in the context of money. Is your vision all about making money, about getting stuff, about gaining resources? Is that what your vision in life is about? If it is, he says it's unhealthy and it's dark. Faith allows you to see clearly, to have light, your vision. This is Everything in life starts with our vision, what we do, how we d- handle relationships, how we handle money. It all starts with a vision of what, what's my life about. And Jesus is saying, yeah, your life direction, your, your focus, your vision is critical because wrong focus blinds you to real life. And Jesus paints that beautiful picture. Okay, he makes those points. Remember, talks about heart, eye, hand, mind, thought, thought process. And then he paints this beautiful picture of birds and flowers. And This is where it's tempting. If we're not careful, we can start going, oh, what beautiful literary language. And it's not real. It's not real truth. It's just wonderful kind of ideas. It's not. It is not at all. They're just illustrations of hard truth. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Seek the kingdom. You'll have what you need. And he used the illustration, look at the birds. They don't worry about it. Yet, look, they're all eating. They're all fed. Father takes care of them. And he cares more about you. Oh, you have little faith. Don't worry about clothes. He knows what you need. He's not saying you don't need clothes, thank God. Okay? He's saying, Father knows what you need. Don't worry about it. Look at Solomon in all his splendor, with all his wealth. With all of it. He wasn't as beautifully clothed as the flowers of the field. And, you know, it's going to get mowed and burnt one day. Father cares more about you. Oh, you have little faith. And so he's painting this picture, and it is fairly simple. Understand that. He's painting a vision, a picture of simplicity. And that's something that we, we need to understand, because we live in a culture of complexity. We live in a culture of more and more acquisition. And Jesus is painting this picture of simplicity. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to bless. It doesn't mean there aren't wonderful things to enjoy. He's just saying, let your heart be free, simple. And he talks about things like food and clothes. And I want to take a moment and just talk about this idea of contentment. I think it's one of the most important ideas in the Bible, and it is the center of God's idea regarding money. Contentment. Contentment is the biblical center of finances. You know, you've heard people maybe, and I I heard a lot of them growing up. It's not quite as popular, but there's still those who who do it, who say, man, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be rich. You're supposed to be a king's kid. You're supposed to have lots of money all the time. There's that idea. And I think that's biblically indefensible. I don't think you can make that case. But there's others who on the other side, and there's probably more of these today, oh, no, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be poor. You can't have anything. You've got to have, have, have nothing. And I want to suggest to you, that also is not biblically defensible. I don't believe it's ever written in Scripture. What I will tell you is the biblical center is contentment. And it is such an amazing gift. This idea of contentment says, I have plenty. I'm full. I don't need any more. And you've got to understand something about contentment. When you actually get to the place where you're content, it's a powerful thing. Because a whole lot of resources just got freed up when we become content. Look what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. He's addressing this idea of some false teachers who uh, are trying to say, well, if you're a you know, follower of God, then you're going to be rich. You know? And Paul says instead, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he goes on. He says, for we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Interesting that those are the illustrations that Jesus used. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That is a troubling passage because we have been raised to want to get rich. 
And this is a total 180. But yet we all probably have examples of people we could point to who we could go, yep, I've seen that screw up some people's lives. Foolish and harmful desire to plunge people in ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness. Now notice those words, flee and pursue. Flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He says, yeah, you don't need to have any part of that. Run from that. Instead, pursue godly things, and it'll change you. I just want to say, and I want to say in love as your pastor and as a friend, if your life is about getting rich, if you find yourself too obsessed and too focused on on getting rich, you are a slave to an illusion, and you will never be radically free until you walk away from that. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Radical Freedom which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. Just look for the series called Abundant Life. Where there, you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now the conclusion to the message, Radical Freedom. This is Radio for Real Life. See, contentment, this idea of being plenty, I'm supplied, sets you free to pursue the right kind of things. It opens you to the blessing of God that we're talking about. God's direction, his best for your life, the gift of family, the gift of community, friendships, meaningful relationships, the gift of purpose. I want to suggest that discontent has robbed so many of the good life that God desires. When we talk about real abundance, we talk about real blessing, we talk about a full life, discontent is one of the greatest culprits in robbing us. All those things that we're missing out on because we're too busy chasing dollars. Contentment truly will set you free. Paul was writing in Philippians chapter 4 to a group of people who've been generous to help support their missions efforts. And beginning at verse 11, he says this. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Another translation says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Did you know that that very well-known, off-quoted passage was talking about resources and contentment? We use that scripture a lot, but what he's saying is because of contentment, I can do all things through him. 
And Paul did a lot of things. Paul experienced a lot of God's grace and his blessing. See, contentment is a faith decision. You have to decide, is God really faithful? And the minute you say, the minute you say, I truly do have enough, I don't need any more. The minute you say that, do you realize how much energy, creativity, thought process, time, you just freed up for things that really matter? I mean, it's powerful. When you stop and think, if I were content, what would I do? I don't, I don't know what I'd do. What I'd do with myself. Well, a whole world of possibilities opens up when we stop and get off the treadmill, get off the, the kind of merry-go-round that says, I've got to get more, I've got to get more, I've got to get more, I've got to get more. It's a powerful, powerful understanding. And understand, God absolutely wants to bless, just like we talked about last week, and he, loves, he delights in giving gifts to his children. He does, but there's a big difference between pursuing that and being content, walking in faith, and letting him bring that. Very different. Number three, declare who you serve. Declare who you serve. I don't want to take a whole lot of time with this, but it's, it's an important, powerful idea. That's why Jesus said that you can't serve God and money. Okay? That doesn't mean you don't go to work. We do go to work. The Bible says we should earn our bread by the work of our hands. It says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. It is right, it is ethical, it is biblical for us to work hard and get a good wage for what we do. That's absolutely it. But it's very different from saying, I work for the buck, I work for money, I work, I'm, I'm for sale to the highest bidder, than saying I'm going to earn my bread with the work of my hands. Um, this is really significant. When you decide, wait a minute, I work for the king, I work for father, he is my master. Money is a resource. Do you realize I don't have to work for the highest bidder anymore? I mean, there are some jobs that are great. Give you a good income, wonderful. That's a blessing and a gift of the Lord. Fantastic. But if you go, there's another job that I really think is important, I'd really like to take, but I don't know, this one makes more money. Sure, I'll have to sell my soul, but come on. And oh, wait a minute, I, I, I don't serve money, I serve the Lord. Oh, Okay. But, but what about all the things you'll lack? No, no, God promised to provide everything I need. I'm going to be just fine. I don't have to work for the highest bidder anymore. I don't have to violate my convictions. One of the folks who wrote me about last week's message, she and her family are in a really tough time right now. And she's working a job. She just had to take a job just to make some money. But this job is requiring her to do something that she just didn't feel good about, didn't feel right, didn't feel fully honest. It's not some horrible thing. It's just she doesn't feel good about it, just the way that they do business. And so was, uh, there's some things I recommended for her to do, some things I recommended her to check out, but I also said, um, honestly, I think you should start looking for another job and change jobs as quickly as possible. And, and, and I said, the reason being is one of the most soul-sucking things in the world is having to violate your convictions regularly at work. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You want to live for for him. You want to share his love, his grace, his peace. You want to be honest. You want to be ethical. You want to work hard. You want to do things that you know every day. Man, I'm tired. I worked hard, but I pleased the Lord today. And I blessed some people in the process, and I made a fair wage. What a great day. You don't want to go and say, I can't believe I had to say that. I can't believe I had to tell that customer that. I can't believe we treated that vendor that way. You don't want to have to do that. It is a soul-crushing, soul-sucking experience, and it's not for followers of Jesus Christ. And when you say, I'm going to serve him, not money, you don't have to do that. 
If you're being asked to do something that's immoral, illegal, uh, unbiblical, dishonest, violates your convictions and ethics, turn in your letter of resignation. No, God will provide. Start looking. Go through the, start, put your resume out there, do what you got to do. Find a different job. Yeah, but that one will make a little less. God's your provider. That's the freedom we're talking about. We're talking about radical freedom. And I, folks, I'm not sitting here before you saying, oh, this is easy and rosy. What I am saying is it is the necessary pathway to real abundant life and real blessing. And it will rock your world and change your life. This is deeper biblical stuff because it gets caught up in what we, what our, how we meet our needs and our possessions. See, this is also the problem with debt. It's very hard to say, I serve the Lord when um, I also have to serve this debt. And I feel like God wants me to do this. I can't tell you how many people I've had tell me, I think God wants me to do this, but I can't because I'm, I'm too much in debt. So I'm working a second job or I got to get the extra hours or I got to do the other stuff. Proverbs 22.7 says it pretty plainly. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We are only supposed to be a servant of the Lord. I'm not sitting here telling you never to borrow money for a mortgage or anything like that. That's, a, that's an investment. That's a, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not commenting on that right now. What I'm saying to you is when you get into debt and you are having to live to service your debt, you have a problem because you're not free. And he's called us to be radically free. I mean, the great picture of that was that rich young ruler who Jesus invited to follow him, but he was a slave to his wealth. And uh, interesting, that wasn't debt. That was his abundance of wealth. I can't. I, 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 I got my wealth. We had to declare who we serve. The biggest financial decision you'll ever make is not deciding what to do, but deciding who to trust. And last thing, decide what and where you'll seek. Because that's how Jesus wraps this whole thing up. Decide what and where you'll seek. Seek him and his kingdom, he says, and you'll have everything else you need along the way. And this is so powerful and so true. It's one-stop shopping. He's saying, if you will seek me and seek my kingdom, I will provide everything you need. We already established last week he wants us to have abundant life. He wants us to have blessing. He wants to provide for us. He says, if you will seek me and my kingdom, you'll have everything you need. Interesting, as we often stop with the story of the rich young ruler, look at the last verses. This is after he went away sad, and Jesus told the thing about the camel and how hard it is for the rich. Look what Peter says. Peter spoke up and says, we've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters, mother, father, or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. He doesn't stop. A hundred times as much of what? Homes, brothers, sisters, mother, children, and fields. Along with persecutions, you're still in this present age. This is an utopia here. There's still tough stuff. There's still sin. A hundred times as much of those things, and in the age to come, eternal life. Did you, did you hear that? And then he goes, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This whole thing is backwards and upside down. I mean, here's the thing, you've got to understand, do you believe him? That's a fascinating thing, because many who've left everything to follow me will see a lot of neat spiritual things here in this present age. That's not what he said. He said, those who've left, and he gives the list. Home, brother, sister, mother, father, children, fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Home, brother, sisters, mother, children, fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Uh, You've got to decide if you believe him. 
And I think there's a lot to that phrase there. I'm not saying if I left a home to follow Jesus, I now am going to have 100 investment properties. I'm not saying that that's the promise he's making. I'm saying he's saying I'll provide for you housing and opportunities that you can't even imagine. If following him meant I have to leave my family because they reject me because of it, Jesus says I'm going to give you family you never even imagined, you never even understood. Far more. The question is, do you trust him? See, this is where it gets really radical. Do you believe him enough to say, I'll, pro- I'll trust you, God. You'll be my provider. And that means I'm going to leave the system that says, I've got to take care of number one. I've got to take care of me. I, I know it's, that's good, Sean, and I'll try to figure out how to fit God into my financial plan. But, but come on, reality is I've got to take care of number one. I've got to take care of business. Are you willing to leave that paradigm and say, Lord, you said if I seek you and seek your kingdom, you'll meet every need. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. See, I want to suggest to you the secret to his provision, his blessing, and to radical freedom is to seek him first, not the provision. See, our paradigm is I've got to seek the provision and see where I can fit him in around the edges. Jesus is saying, no, no, change the whole thing. I want you to seek me. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to give you experiences. And I'm going to give you life that you never imagined possible. The question is, will you trust him enough? Because this is rubber meets road. because this is our actual stuff. Early on in our ministry, God asked us to choose on this. And I have seen him do amazing and abundant things. In our lives, I've watched other people do the same thing. And I'm just telling you, you can trust him can't promise what it's going to look like. There are times that were hard. There are times that are difficult. It's not always a rosy path. But I have seen God do amazing things in blessing those who will say, okay, Jesus, I'll seek you and let you worry about provision. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Radical Freedom or this whole series on the abundant life, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotoma Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com